Welcome. Everything is fine. You're listening to Fork and Bullshirt, the Good Place podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Vivian. We'll be the architects of your journey into the afterlife. This week we're talking about Season 1, Episode 8, Most Improved Player. This episode was written by Daniel Schofield, which are, I'm, I'm assuming that's how you say his name. I'm assuming it's like Prison Break. He's the other brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We found him. We lost him, but he is found. <laughs> this episode was directed by Tristram Shapiro, which is just an interesting spelling of both of those names. And this episode aired October 27th, 2016. So this week we have a couple of new actors. We have Adam Scott playing Trevor. He's known for his roles on Parks and Rec, Party Down, Step Brothers, and he's in the new show Little Big Lies on HBO. He was also on the in the horror movie Krampus. Oh yes, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was fantastic. No to Adam. He was great in that you know, that movie. Horror movies just not my thing. Uh, Kristen Bell is actually in Party Down with Adam Scott. She was a love interest of his who was very uptight. And now that I'm thinking of his role on Parks and Rec, I kind of want Amy Poehler to be in this show. Oh my gosh, that'd be great. Oh, she would be so good. I miss Amy Poehler. But in like a completely different type of role that she's ever in. Something that she's never done. Should be exciting. Something super mean. Yeah, like if she could play someone with like, no comedic horrible. overtones. That's not this show. I know it's not this show, but <laughs> that's not what this show is I like. I know. <laughs> and Tia Sirkar, who plays the real Eleanor, she's best known for the internship, Seventeen Again, and the Star Wars Rebels TV show. All right, so before we get into this episode, uh, last week we had a very lengthy discussion about whether or not Janet is a person. And the two of us landed on the side of, no, no, she's not a person. So we ended up uh, putting a poll on Twitter and on Reddit. And here are your totals. 53 people voted yes, that is 42%. And 73 people voted no, 58% of the vote. That's really close. That is quite close, actually. It's a lot closer than I thought it would be. And... People on Twitter were much more likely to say yes. That she is a person. Yes. Although we didn't have as many votes, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty much double the amount of people that said yes, because mm-hmm. it was 10 to 5. Yeah. So, it's interesting, the amount of people that, it was almost even, like, when you think about it, it's pretty close. Yeah, it's quite close, actually. A lot closer than I thought it would be. Because um, I thought it was obvious while watching the show that she is not a person, but apparently not. We got a few comments on Reddit and from people on Twitter as well. And one person said, I'd go with a temporary no. We just don't have enough information. So at the moment, no is my opinion. Which makes sense. Yeah, I mean, from... we don't know a whole lot about Janet or how she works. Mm-hmm. From what we do know is that she is programmed. Exactly. But on the other side of that, we're all technically programmed. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are technically programmed by society, by our parents, by But I think Janet's biology. a different type of programming. Yes. She's oh, more of a computational programming. Mm-hmm. One person on Reddit said... Person is such a variable word. 
I believe Janet is a self-autonomous, self-aware being capable of independent thought, cognition, and metacognition. I would define those qualities as belonging to a person. So under that criteria, yes. It's a good explanation. It's a great explanation. Do you agree, though? Do you agree that she is self-autonomous? No. She's driven by commands, basically. Mm -hmm. We don't know everything about Janet in this season. Mm -hmm. Mild spoiler, I guess. But we don't learn everything about her. Mm -hmm. Certain things will change and certain things won't change. Certain things will add more confusion to the topic. Yeah, but I still think that she's not self-autonomous. I think she's self-aware. She knows that she's but she knows not. that she's operating. Yeah. Mhm. But anyway, it's a it's it's a great topic to get into regardless of what show you're watching. Mm-hmm. Any any type of television show or movie where somebody is driven by artificial intelligence, it's great to try and figure out how alive they really are mm-hmm. and whether it actually makes a difference. I mean, does it really matter if she's alive or not? Does the story depend on it? Mm-hmm. And another really popular show that was just uh, released recently is Westworld. Mm-hmm. Right. Actually, yes. a listener all the way from France, uh, Malex... Bonjour! <laughs> um, ...asked us if we had seen Westworld because she thought that it was a great case study for this topic. Now, on Westworld, I think it's very different. We're under very different circumstances. The hosts that are not considered human, mm-hmm. uh, not considered real persons, I suppose, aren't aware of that. Right. You know, they're they living... They don't know that they're hosts and that they're robots. Mm-hmm. Spoiler for the first episode. Yeah, yeah. They're not aware <laughs> Um, so it's a very different circumstance. Like Janet knows what she is and reminds people often of what she is. Whereas the hosts in we- on Westworld are just. They're going about their daily life. They don't yeah. realize that they're trapped in a bubble. Mm-hmm. They feel like persons mm-hmm. and they feel like everyone around them are also persons. Yeah. So. They don't know they keep being killed and brought back and looped again and again. Yeah. It's their cycle. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Janet because I think it's so interesting to have someone who insists that she's not human, that she is AI, and yet to have so many fans and so many people on the show consider her a person. Mm-hmm. Whereas we'll get a lot of other shows or movies or any kind of fiction, really, that has AI that claims to be human and everyone seems to oppose it. It's like we want to just say the opposite. Yeah. (laughs) It's like our instinct is to just disagree. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And the last thing I want to say on that topic is that um, a listener of ours, Kate, who does her own podcast on the show Dollhouse called Did I Fall Asleep, sent us a link to a story that explores the Turing test that we mentioned last episode. Uh, this story is called Goodnight Melancholy. I have to admit I haven't had the chance to read it yet, but I am looking forward to reading it. And there is actually an audio version as well that you can listen to. So I'm going to put that in the show notes for anybody who, you know, maybe likes this kind of fiction. I know that I do. 
So do you have anything else to say on our Janet topic before we get into this episode? For any one of our listeners who hasn't seen the show to right to the end, I'm interested in what they think of Janet in the coming episodes. Because mm-hmm. she does change a little bit. The situation gets convoluted mm-hmm. and might sway some people's opinions. Yeah. Like, I don't mean by saying that she's not a person, that I don't value her as a character, or that I don't find her interesting, or that I'm not compassionate towards her. No, of course not. Yeah. It's just that I don't think she's a person. When you get right down to it. Yeah, when when you get right down to it, I don't think she's a person. I still love her. Yeah, there's no, there's absolutely no offense meant there. So, just, uh, just clarifying that (laughs) yeah darcy carden still awesome oh yeah fantastic all right jason so let's get into our episode of the week michael calls eleanor into his office to discuss her true identity he asks janet for eleanor's file and receives a cactus her reboot has caused problems with her functioning michael uses a litmus test to determine eleanor's character so the test is pretty awesome I feel like it would need to be a lot more thorough. The test is really cute. Yeah. I think it's very funny. I don't think it's actually a good litmus no, test. No, I don't at think it's all. effective whatsoever. No, no, not even a little bit. <laughs> For any of those uh, listeners who didn't watch the extended episode, there's actually a little moment that kind of will lead us to an interesting conversation, I hope. In the extended episode, Michael accidentally takes out the nomadic Mongolian edition of the litmus test and only finds out when he asks the first question, did you ever wrongfully slaughter your kinsman's yak? Before he puts it back and decides, oh no, I need to get the North American version. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really interesting because that kind of implies that different cultures and Presumably different eras have varying views on good and evil and what is acceptable in society and what is not. Mm -hmm. I guess I just assumed uh, at the beginning of the show that there would be a sort of international. Right, universal. Yeah, exactly. A universal so that it would apply to every culture. Mm -hmm. Right? So I'm kind of glad they didn't have that in the released version because it kind of confuses things for me. Oh, yeah? Adds some unnecessary questions. See, I like because, I like this. But the universal... Because I like where it leads us. The test, or the numbers that everybody goes through at the beginning, mm-hmm. it's universal. It, they the point are. system is all... That's all it should be based on. And this litmus test is not scientific at all. Okay, It just seems so, very opinionated for me. Do you think that the... The point system is not just a variation on the litmus test. Like there's a book perhaps of how much, how many points you should get for a certain action. Like there would be a book of algorithms or a book of mathematical equations. Because math is not determined on region. Math is math, no no matter where you are. You're right. In the first episode, though, a lot of the examples that we were given were fairly North American centric, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, a lot of them were things that, well, they were a lot of jokes, right? I don't think it's fair that Michael 
does the litmus test on Eleanor. I agree with you. I don't think it's fair that he's using this because it's not equivalent to the point system. Right, because everybody is based on the same... Everybody is judged by the same point system. Mm -hmm. So everybody, in my mind, should be judged based on the same litmus test. Mm -hmm. But the only reason he's using this litmus test is because he doesn't have her file and therefore doesn't have any of her points. Right, which... From life, yeah. Is even... Which boggles my mind even more because (laughs) it's fallible. It's not mathematically, scientifically, fundamentally cement. Like, it's not solid. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense that he would use a separate test, especially when he has the truth box right beside him in the drawer. Mm -hmm. I think that this litmus test is basically used so that he has, like, an idea of what kind of questions to ask her. And so he can get a very quick rundown of whether or not she really doesn't belong here. Mm -hmm. Because I think that he's baffled by this. He's like, how is this possible? And I need to wrap my head around the idea that you might not belong here and that you lied about it, you know? And I think there's, there's a part of him that wants to believe that she does belong here. So he's using this. Right quickly to just go through all these examples that would be relevant to her, which is why I think it's the North American edition, um, just to get kind of a a feel. Okay. Because he doesn't go through the entire book. He's not asking her question after question after question. And if her responses had been yes to like most of the questions, then he would have confirmed his thoughts that, no, you definitely don't belong here. Yeah. Instead of like being confused because all of her answers were good answers. Mm Mm-hmm. And he may have called Trevor immediately instead of waiting. Right. If she had said, yeah, I do all of that terrible stuff, he probably would have phoned up Trevor a little bit earlier, I think. And wouldn't have hesitated at all. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't have tried to help her stay later on. Yeah. I still think most of that bit is comedic relief. Just purely for jokes. Like, hey, let's come up with a bunch of silly questions to ask. Oh, yeah. The only really valid question in my mind is the first question. Did you ever commit a serious crime such as murder, sexual harassment, arson, or otherwise? Mm -hmm. Everything else is kind of just a joke. I like the question, do you think you belong here? Yes. Yes, that's true. And then... She says, no. Oh, and Kristen Bell does such a good job of just showing us how crushed Eleanor is. Super defeated. Yeah. Yeah. And as much as she's pleased with herself for being able to answer no to all of these questions when you get right down to it she still doesn't think she belongs there yeah she still doesn't think that she's worthy of this afterlife right yeah yeah i'd love to hear what our listeners think about this litmus test did you think that it was just for comic relief were you irritated by this did this open up a whole new world of possibilities for you let us know i'd love to hear your thoughts Mm-hmm. I do I do like a couple of the questions that we got in the extended edition. Uh, two of them. Were you ever a waiter and when seeing a customer who had eaten all his or her food, you said sarcastically, guess you hated it. <laughs> I've been a waitress. Never done this in my life, thank goodness. Good for you. Um, sorry, I'm pretty happy I could say no to that. But then he asks, have you ever used the word hubby? Or referred to the department store Target as Target. Oh, I've no. done both of those things. Oh my god. 
sarcastically, but I've still done them. Mm, let's head over to Target. <laughs> yeah, Target, or if you're Canadian and you've ever gone to Value Village, if you've called it the VV Boutique, <laughs> because that's what my mom calls it. <laughs> oh, the VV Boutique. I like it. Yeah, super lame, but it's cute. It is interesting that Michael seems to need Janet to give him Eleanor's file. Like, shouldn't he just be able to get that? He's dependent on her. But Although, I, he would have Eleanor, the wrong Eleanor Shellstrop's file on hand. That's right, why he okay. needs Janet. Okay. But it still seems like something that he should be able to do. You know? Can Michael can, call things into existence? Like Janet can? Right. I don't know. We've never, we've never seen him. No, do we it. haven't. So we have no evidence that he can. Yeah. Interesting thought. Yeah. He, he is seems limited. just so much more powerful than her mm-hmm. as the creator of this universe. Well, this good place mm-hmm. that in my mind, it seems like he should just be able to do it. Right. Because if he can't, which this is showing that maybe he can't, then last episode where we said that Michael, cre- uh, Michael gave Tahani the coffin and the banner, mm-hmm. then he didn't do that. So, yeah, he seems limited in his abilities. Maybe when he's in his body. Huh. Interesting. Something I'm going to watch out for to see if he ever materializes anything Mm -hmm. later on. What did you think of Janet's constant cactus retrieval? It was it was good because (laughs) they kept it going so long that you knew exactly what was going to happen, especially but in a good way, like. When she says, I have his file, and she's holding it behind her back, and Michael's like, you have her file, not a cactus, right? Mm-hmm. And you know exactly that she's still got a cactus. You know it. Yeah. It's it, it's done so well. Like, the timing is perfect. Mm-hmm. And then the second time when he opens the folder, because he's so happy, he's elated that her file is finally here, and then it's just more cactus and the cutest little cactus, too, in the tiniest little pot. Oh, it was adorable. <laughs> I'm, I know. It's a plant. It shouldn't be adorable, but it is. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was fun. Yeah. I actually looked up what cactuses symbolize, just for fun. They symbolize endurance. And to someone that is going through a hard time, this is a great gift to give them with great meaning. Eleanor certainly yeah. could use a lot of cacti. Yeah. And not only that, but... Michael's going through a tough time too, That's right? True, he He's is. just found out that he made a mistake. He done goofed. And that's a huge thing in this in this universe. Like he says to Eleanor later, mistakes don't exist here, but somehow you do and you're my mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So it could actually be read as Janet being kind of sweet. Yeah, like you need a cactus. You need a lot of cacti, so I'm going to flower you with cacti. Because you need a lot of endurance to get through this hardship. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. about to get harder, too. Yep. Trevor hasn't even arrived yet. No. And uh, just to backtrack quickly before we move on, this first scene, the like first few moments we get, is a really great flip on our pilot episode. When the episode starts? Yes. Because our first episode, we see Eleanor in the waiting room. She's mm-hmm. looking at the sign, says everything, welcome, everything is fine. She looks serene. She looks happy. She's a little confused, but generally in a in high spirits. Yeah, for sure. 
And then now we have this great flip of Eleanor just being completely suffocated with anxiety. And Crushed. Feeling so guilty at this moment. And then in our pilot episode, Michael is really welcoming. He gives her a smile and then... Come on in. Come to my office. We'll have a chat. It'll be good. I'll give you some cocoa, maybe some ice cream or mm-hmm. some frozen yogurt. Everything's going to be happy. And this time, not the same. No, he's angry. He's betrayed. Oh, yes, that's a yeah. good one. He is very betrayed. And it really shows in mm-hmm. the way he talks to her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, moving on. Tahani, Chidi, and Jason discuss Eleanor's situation outside of Michael's office. Frustrated by Janet's inability to produce Eleanor's file, Michael uses a glowing lie detector cube to help him evaluate Eleanor. Michael calls Tahani into his office, and Eleanor warns Chidi and Jason about Michael's plan. So Chidi didn't tell Tahani right away that he knew about Eleanor. He didn't tell her anything. Because Tahani's saying, well, you thought that your soulmate was this amazing person and you find out that she's just a liar and a grifter and chidi of course is amazingly sympathetic and says we'll try to think about what she's had to go through and it's kind of a nice moment because then tahani replies all right i will for you for you it's kind of sweet i could see if people were like yeah yeah i'm still shipping it <laughs> oh yeah for sure i but- think they'd be great together yeah, but then, of course, Tahani name drops three people in one sentence. <laughs> yep. Yep. Taylor, Beyonce, Kanye. Yep. She's efficient. I will give her that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a pretty great line, but it just goes to show again, like, really, she's here, but Eleanor is, like, definitely not allowed to be here. I don't know. That's a bit, uh, <laughs> it's a bit hard to swallow. I was surprised that... Chidi didn't tell Tahani about Jason or Eleanor. I thought it would be a good time. Yeah? Like at the moment? Right then and there? Okay. I thought this was going to be an episode of Revelations. Oh, yeah. Like Eleanor admits at the end of last episode, so she goes through it this episode, and Chidi reveals that he knew it all, and that Jason let something slip because he's dumb, and he would admit to being like Eleanor. Yeah, so it would just be secret after secret reveal this episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Secret, secret, I got a secret. What? Is that a song? Yeah. Oh. Who sings that? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. He starts singing it anyway. I didn't think that we would learn all the secrets this episode. Although, I was surprised that Chidi didn't admit that he was involved to Tahani. Yeah, lying by omission. Yeah, I... Didn't think that he would tell about Jason because that's a whole different situation and... Yeah, I don't think it's his place to tell anyway. Yeah, exactly. And they're dealing with Eleanor at the moment, right? And they don't know what's going to happen to Eleanor. So I think they're kind of waiting to find out, okay, what's going to happen to her? Because then we can prepare ourselves for what might happen to Jason. Okay. Um, But still, he doesn't say anything. Like, hey, I knew the whole time, so... I actually don't feel betrayed. You don't have to be mad on my behalf Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. But Tahani kind of reacts like Eleanor spoiled her big party. (laughs) She doesn't really seem to care that this woman that she's spent time with, that she's gotten close to, might be sent to the bad place and suffer for all eternity. She feels more betrayed. 
Yeah, I think that's pretty much the feeling this episode. Which is fair. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she doesn't remember all the good things that Eleanor did. She It invalidates them for her. Yes, that's true. And she even mentions that. She said, a friend that I needed in my time of need basically betrayed me. And about the time that she opened up to Eleanor. Mm-hmm. And Do she you... was sad about Jason. Yeah. We mentioned this earlier, but I think that Ted Danson does a really excellent job of navigating through all of Michael's emotions. Mm -hmm. He does that business-like attitude, but with that feeling of betrayal, while still incorporating the hope that maybe she is deserving after all. Yeah, because at first he's very formal, very rigid, and let's keep this strictly professional. This is just business. Mm -hmm. I have to find out what's going on. Yeah. And then the betrayal we start kind of to slips see, in. Yeah. Yeah. The the little cracks in that kind of um architect facade that he's putting up. Mm-hmm. Because Eleanor, by turning herself in, committed her first selfless act, and I think that Michael sees that and hopes that maybe she's not as bad as she seems, that mm-hmm. she was actually maybe really close to getting into the good place, but d- just didn't make it. Just didn't quite make it. So, yeah, it's it's really nice. He does a great job of uh, balancing all of that. And you mentioned when you were watching the episode that Ted Danson looks weird without his glasses. He does. He looks super <laughs> weird with those glasses. I don't know what it is. I think it's just I'm so used to the glasses. Yeah. And they're so... They're so prominent on his face. Yeah, they're yeah, like exactly. It's like Drew Carey without his glasses. It mm-hmm. looks weird. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that I look weird without my glasses to people who have never seen me without them. I think that's how it goes for everybody with glasses. Okay, now Jason's taking off his glasses like he's a Victoria's Secret model. As if I'm not. (laughs) Oh, honey. (laughs) Um, Secret, secret. I got a secret. Oh, my God. (laughs) Michael says to Eleanor... That in the good place, there is no room for bad people or bad actions. And then he mentions that whoever else was involved will be judged accordingly and they will be punished. So it seems like the behavior of the people in the good place is being constantly evaluated. So if Which... you go to the good place and then you start acting like a total turd and you're just rude to everyone and you're doing all kinds of bad actions, you're not going to stay there. Which is strange because it contradicts the episode Category 55 Doomsday Crisis mm-hmm. where Tahani finds the the, the, the list of all the, the points. Mm-hmm. And Michael says, the points are over. The points are before you get to the good place. I'm paraphrasing heavily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but your points can't change. Yeah. So I think... People wouldn't be bad. People wouldn't be going around the good place doing bad things because good people don't do that. And that's exactly what Michael is saying. Mm-hmm. But now we're getting this idea that you don't necessarily get to stay here forever. You still have to abide by the rules of this place. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because it's brought up that possibly Cheedy could end up in the bad place. Yeah, for what he did. Right. So your spot in the good place neighborhood is not permanent. Yeah, which is interesting because the way that I've always thought of the afterlife is 
you go to one or the other and you're stuck there. Mm. You don't, well, stuck might be kind of <laughs> the wrong word for a place that's paradise. Yeah. Um, but. Unless you really wanted to yeah, get into the there. bad place. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Some of the people seem like they might be up for a cool party. Yep. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's just interesting to think that you are not safe in a way. Yeah. Like your future there is not absolutely certain. Um, it makes sense that the good place doesn't allow bad people or bad actions, right? But really, what's what's to say that someone won't do a bad action? If they're in the good place, they're in their afterlife, and they still have their own agency, then they can do what they want. Yeah, they could switch their personality. Or they could just end up doing something that you consider bad, right? Like, Chidi is a good person. I really believe he is a good person, but he does something that Michael might just not accept. Yep, it's definitely makes the show suddenly have a threat to it. Yeah, yeah. It adds a little bit of uncertainty factor. That's a really good way of putting it, because it's sort of like, hey, you're here as long as you don't mess up. Mm -hmm. If you mess up, we're sending you on that train to the bad place. Yeah. Yeah, ooh. So Eleanor could be made an example of. She really could be, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Although I feel like Chidi would be a better example if they right. sent Chidi. Because Eleanor, they'd just be like, well, she never belonged here in the first place. That's true. Chidi right. does, but he goofs. And then, bye-bye. Yep. Yeah. I do love that Chidi is so proud of Eleanor when she cites Kant. <laughs> He's she, like, this is like the proudest moment of my life. She so casually name drops it. Yeah. Like, and Chidi's just, like, he's just lit up. It's oh, like, yeah. the situation we're in is crappy, but you just made me super happy. Yeah, you made me so proud. I think it's really sweet because he's seen all of Eleanor's actions so far. He knows what she's done, whether good or bad. And she struggles so much yeah. doing good things. Mm-hmm. But she didn't even hesitate to sacrifice, quote unquote, herself. Mm-hmm. And he tries to thank her for that. And she immediately kind of just... Yeah, yeah, I'm a great person. That's Thanks. Anyway, yeah. we have bigger things to think about right Which, now. Which, but... again, is a great example of something a good person would do and wouldn't be, like, all humble bragging, like, I know, it's so good of me. I'm super proud of myself. You know, it takes a lot for a person like me to do something like this. And Are we referring to a certain... To honey? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say a certain tanned model. <laughs> <laughs> I name dropped. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really sweet. Michael questions Tahani on her relationship with Eleanor. When he asks if she thinks Eleanor deserves to be in the bad place, she falters and evades the question. Eleanor and Chidi prep Jason for his questioning. Michael seeks wisdom from Jianyu. So we're spending a lot of time in Michael's office this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In a way, I kind of like that. We're really focusing on this one story. It's a bottle episode. Sort of. It's pretty darn close anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that Tahani is so frustrated when she's with Chidi, but the moment that she's talking to Michael and that her decision might actually sway what he thinks, she just doesn't want to answer the question. Mm -hmm. And she tries to kind of confuse him out of an answer. (laughs) And Tahani certainly doesn't follow through on trying to punish Eleanor. She really doesn't. Why do you think she doesn't? Because I don't think she wants the responsibility. Okay. And also, I don't think 
that she believes that Eleanor deserves to be gone. Oh, okay. So you think she actually she's uncertain. is sympathetic? Yeah, she is. She's just so uncertain. She can't make that choice. It's possible that Tahani didn't want to answer because she's trying to stay true to what Chidi asked her to do. Or maybe she also enjoys having a friend. I that's where I land. I think that's my interpretation is that Tahani really feels this betrayed because she actually really liked Eleanor. I don't think Tahani's ever really had many friends. She probably has superficial friends or acquaintances, people Mm -hmm. that she knows, like her friend Tay and Kanye and Beyonce. Beyonce. Tay and Kay and Bay. Yeah, exactly. Tay K Bay. I like that. Oh my god. (laughs) But I don't think she has any real friends and Eleanor treats her like a person and not somebody a rich queen Mm -hmm. not just in the way that socialites talk to each other right but actually being there for her vulnerable moments Mm -hmm. and trying to help her through them yeah yeah i think that she really does feel a a casual kinship as she says later on Mm -hmm. with eleanor and i think that's why i don't think it's because of chidi and I don't think it's because she doesn't want the full responsibility. Mm-hmm. I think it's because she likes Eleanor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's sweet. Yeah. My favorite line in this episode <laughs> is, is said great. in this part by Jason when he says, I'll just tell Michael that you're the bomb and you got a dope soul and hella ethics. Oh my God. <laughs> Every time I watch it, I just like burst out laughing. It's so cute and so dumb. So dumb. And Michael would be all like, oh, man, you just freaked my bean. (laughs) I love it. I think it's so great. And the idea that he thinks that he can walk in and say that to Michael. (laughs) Without Michael questioning him. Like, wait, what? Um, A monk doesn't say something like this. This isn't deep and philosophical. Pretty sure Gianyu doesn't go around saying dope soul and hella ethics. <laughs> so who are you? Yeah. 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 I, I love it. Because in that moment, he honestly forgets, I think. He would totally do it, too, if they didn't reel him back. Yeah. They weren't just like, no, no, no. Just nod your head. Say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so Gianyu slash Jason. I like to call him Gianyu because in Michael's perspective, he is Gianyu. Okay. And... I just call Jason, him Jason for the for viewer. Clarity's sake. That's fair. You know? So he pricks his finger on the cactus and he bleeds. Yeah. So that weird. made me question whether there's anything more to that. Like, it hurt him, obviously, mm-hmm. because he poked it and he's like, ooh, like he shook his finger and like, ow. Yeah, and he shows it to Michael. Yeah, like I got a boo boo. And his little face. It's like he's a five-year-old, and he's just like, oh, yeah, I love myself, Mom. Yeah, do you have it's a band-aid, so or can you kiss it better? Oh, he's like a little puppy. He really which, is. Yeah, just adorable. But does that mean that you can feel pain in a good place? Because mm. we've already established that you can't. Because well, you a can't dumpster, die. That's true. But a dumpster falls on the two guys yeah, when they're uh, cleaning up the garbage. I can't remember the names around. Gunner and Antonio. Yeah. yeah. A dumpster falls on them, and they're like, no, we're cool. And they're obviously not in pain. Mm -hmm. And... But Chidi gets stomach aches all the time. Yes, he does. Yeah. And Jason pricks his finger. Mm -hmm. Bleeding. Pain. So, I wonder what that's all about. Michael says, 
to himself mainly, that it was Buddha who said that if a man lives a pure life, nothing can destroy him. I'm not a man, and I've lived no life, so will this destroy me? And then I started wondering after that, should a man who has lived no life really hold so much power over those who have? Because if he's never experienced Living. the human experience, mm-hmm. how can he accurately judge anything? Right. If you... Like, it's not his litmus test, and it's not his point system. Yeah, we know he's just an employee. We know he's an employee, but he's still the one who decides to call Trevor. That's still a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Should he not be calling the higher-ups in this moment? Or is he just too afraid to call them because he might get sacked? Or retired? Right. Yeah. I said that with some air quotes, guys. Still not great with this whole only audio <laughs> medium. Anyway. <laughs> I'm very expressive. Physically. It's hard She for says me. while moving her hands around. I know. Around. I know. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> this, this microphone should have a 360 degree camera. So people listening could right. also 360 view us. They could swish their hand around their phone and see our different reactions and expressions they would be able to see that you're wearing pajamas (laughs) that's a secret this episode is full of secrets what was the song secret secret secret. i I got got a secret secret. i am mr roboto (laughs) domo arigato mr roboto all right let's move on Janet finally retrieves Eleanor's file, which contains the biggest positive and negative point swings in her life. Eleanor tells Michael about the time she accidentally ripped her roommate's dress and let her believe it was the dry cleaner's fault, causing a chain of terrible events. So these are our flashbacks for this episode. Yeah, I actually really like that our flashbacks all happen in one go. Mm -hmm, Me too. Yeah, very efficient. Um, There's no sort of big build-up because of all this time in between. Like, we're not building suspense. We're just telling a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the flashbacks serve a purpose, like you said, they're, because they're telling a story to Michael. Yeah. And it's not just Eleanor's remembering or we as viewers are just being showed. Exactly. They serve an actual purpose. Yeah. It, I, and it I makes sense in the episode. probably my favorite flashbacks hmm. so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am a little sad that we don't get to see any flashbacks of Eleanor spending time with her cousin's daughter, Julie. It's not as entertaining to watch somebody eat a churro. A churro dog? Yeah. Wrapped with a Slim Jim and dipped into ranch? It's so gross. That sounds disgusting. Because a churro is cinnamony and sweet. Ranch is not. Hot dog is hearty. And a Slim Jim is also not a good replacement for string. The whole thing just sounds gross. (laughs) And the two of us noticed when we were watching that Eleanor's friend, not her roommate, is the same actress as the one from the house-sitting flashbacks, the one who was asking her to go to the Rihanna concert. So what do you think of Eleanor in these flashbacks? Do you think this is the best, worst, middle-of-the-road Eleanor that we've seen? Honestly, it doesn't even seem all that bad to me. Really? I mean... She puts on the dress after being told not to. Yeah. She rips it. Mm -hmm. She puts it back. Lies about... Well, she lies by omission. She doesn't directly say it was the dry cleaners. Mm -hmm. So all of that is crappy. But I don't think it's the worst thing that we've seen. 
Well, it goes to show that she doesn't take ownership of her actions. Sure. Absolutely. And then the next part of those flashbacks is with the the t-shirt, selling the Mm t-shirts. And she even shows some questions there. Like when the boxes of t-shirts arrive in the apartment, she says, are we really doing this? Like, is this happening? Mm -hmm. Which shows to me like she is super uncertain about going through with it. Yeah, like, maybe this has gone too far. She's reluctant. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's pretty much the end of the flashbacks. Yeah, and we see that she's swayed by money. Like, yeah, she takes some of the profits and buys yeah. her own peach dress. Yeah. All of these doesn't seem like... If this is the worst thing she's ever done, meh. Yeah, I wouldn't say... It's uh, it's definitely not in the same category as murdering someone, but it is a pretty crappy thing to do. It is, definitely. I have to admit, though, in my life, I have definitely messed up things before and then pretended I didn't know anything about it, especially when I was younger. Yeah, that's something was, that yeah, younger like, people do. You chip one of your mom's china cups or something like that, and you pretend you have no idea how it happened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because it was an accident. But really, you should fess up to it, right? And take mm-hmm. your punishment. And I kind of like that Michael has this moment where he believes that Eleanor did the right thing. That she confessed that she was the one who ripped it and that she paid for the damages and, you know, reimbursed her for the dress. Even though that dress is ridiculously expensive. Like, there's no way I would pay $989 for that dress. Like, Mm -hmm. no. I have rent. Hello. (laughs) That's like two months rent. (laughs) Yeah, that's like two months rent. No, thank you. Um, (laughs) Wow. I guess for anyone listening to this who, like, lives in LA and is just baffled by the idea that that's... Well, that's that's two months split between us. So it's one month rent. Yeah, but still, yeah. I know some people who are like, uh, my rent is double that. <laughs> yeah. A little thing I noticed. In this episode, the peach dress is referred to as a Kirsten Mann original. She's the costume designer for The Good Place. Oh, that's great. Yeah. She was also the costume designer on Parks and Rec and on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And the other articles that we see on the basically BuzzFeed, but not BuzzFeed, uh, Website website are 11 bicycles that look like eight cats. (laughs) I never noticed that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It makes no sense. 11 bicycles that look like eight cats. Um, Tom Hiddleston ate a three bean salad and it's nothing. (laughs) What? I don't know. Kind of like a... Was it Garbanzo? (laughs) That's a reference to our other podcast, Burger of the Week. Check it out if you're a fan of Bob's Burgers. Or garbanzo beans. <laughs> or garbanzo beans, sure. It's totally brought up all the time, I swear. Yeah, we talk about them all the time. And also send them to you. No, we don't. Not at all. You could send them to <laughs> us. Uh, another one that's not that funny is, which just the ten of us character aren't you? <laughs> which is <laughs> Apply- just like... Implying that you're all of them except for like one. Yeah. And the last one was, the video of a juggalo using an ATM will make you rethink everything you thought you knew about the Krebs citric acid cycle, <laughs> which is just like word salad, I think. It's fantastic. <laughs> the, the first one's clearly the best, though. Yeah, it just 
shows how dumb these articles are getting and yeah, how clickbaity clickbait these websites are. Yeah. 11 bicycles that look like cats. Eight cats. That eight looked like cats. eight cats. Oh, that's great. <sighs> I kind of do like the Tom Hiddleston ate a three bean salad and it's nothing. It's because nothing. it's just like... And it's no big deal, guys. I don't know why you want to read about this. It's nothing. It's literally not a story. Yeah. He ate a three bean salad. He went to Teddy's party. He brought Garbanzo. <laughs> they had a rockin' good time. That's the story. That's the story. <laughs> it was just a cute little moment. I always like to kind of pause and mm-hmm. see what the writers come up with. And they nailed it. Yeah. Pretty great. Pretty great. Yeah. I don't know. Like... What Eleanor does is crappy. Like, she does a bad thing. But she does I think several bad seeing... things. It just escalates. She yeah. also put the dry cleaners out of business by not verifying that it was her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if she had just come clean with it, it would have been... Yeah, it would have been her fault, but she could have saved someone else so much trouble, right? Like, yeah, I tried your dress on and it ripped because it's crap. Yeah. It was an ugly dress anyway. Sounds like something Eleanor would say. Right. Yeah. I do think that part of the reason I don't feel like her action is that bad is because I'm completely unsympathetic towards her roommate. Mm -hmm. She's obviously a horrible person, even so much so that they go out of their way to say that she has a vanity license plate. So you just kind of don't feel that bad. Yeah. You know? And then you don't ever put a face to the name of like the dry cleaners you don't see it's like a small family with a bunch of little kids that they're trying to feed and yeah whatever and, yeah. and i think that's kind of genius because then we're put into eleanor's shoes right this is how she felt she had this roommate who was just a total garbage person she never really met these dry cleaner people so she was able to distance herself and make her feel make herself feel relatively okay with what she was doing mhm I think it's a smart move by the show. Oh, yeah, for sure. But definitely not up there with uh, murderers and rapists and etc. All right, moving on. Eleanor answers honestly. She doesn't believe she belongs in the good place. Michael calls the bad place to come take her away. A train arrives with a crew of people from the bad place, including Michael's counterpart, the douchey Trevor. Michael allows Eleanor to say her goodbyes before getting on the train. In comes Adam Scott. As soon as I saw Adam Scott, I got really excited. Yeah. I loved him on Parks and Rec. He was fantastic. Definitely one of my favorite characters. This is like a totally different character mm-hmm. to that. But there's just something about him. This works so perfectly. He does such a great job at playing a douchebag. Yeah, it oozes off of him. Like, oh, it really does. Everything that he says, his mannerisms, the way he looks at people, just the way everything. he walks yeah. and carries himself. Like... Not confidence, just total cockiness, Mm -hmm. you know? And I love that he brings this completely unnecessary crew with him. (laughs) His douche crew. Yeah, he's got to bring his entourage. Yeah. His douche crew. I love that. They're all horrible. One of the guys is wearing the Bluetooth headset. The other girl has uh, a selfie stick. (laughs) There's literally no reason to have them, but of course he would. Of course. Mm -hmm. And then it's just the icing on the cake that he's wearing the dress bitch shirt. And not only that, but the dress bitch, I noticed, has like rhinestones on the name. Yeah, he glammed it up. Oh, yeah. That guy bedazzles. Exactly. He probably bedazzles people's like genitals and that's part of the torture. 
that's staying in the podcast because I said so. And Jason just gave me this horrified look of like, oh, dear God. Gross. So they're really going to do this. They're really going to put Eleanor in the train and take her away. Yeah. I did not expect to see someone from the bad place. Yeah, me neither. So I was very surprised. I thought it was going to be like a running gag, like mention it every once in a while, like what maybe went on there or something, a recent development or something from the bad place, like that clip that Janet plays of the bad place in the first episode, Mm -hmm. just of people screaming. I thought that just there'd be little references here and there, but then to actually see people from the bad place and see their human shaped, their human forms, they're still people-ish that we know of. They're like Michael. They look like people. It kind of humanized it for me. Made it a bit more real. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know what I think about their choice to represent people from the bad place as douchey rather than satanic. Or just straight up evil. Yeah, exactly. Like, we know that he's awful. Like, we know that he's a complete jerk and we know that everyone he's with are just terrible human beings. But from the litmus test, that's what we've learned, that people in the bad place are jerks. They're just, they're not, it doesn't, they don't come across as evil to me. They just come across as big jerks. Like, everything on the list, and then seeing these people, and yeah. I don't know how I feel like about Eleanor that, Like, Eleanor just being a jerk. She's not maliciously evil. She's mm-hmm. just kind of a jerk. So then we start to wonder, like, okay, well, how is it fair at all that people who are just jerks, who are just kind of selfish, you know, like Eleanor, but who down to their core are probably all right people, medium people, as she would say. Right are placed with people who have done horrible, horrible things to people and committed atrocities. Like, Mm -hmm. how is that fair to lump them in altogether? So maybe there's a good place, a medium place, a bad place, and an evil place. Yeah, maybe a horrible place. Yeah, maybe the bad place is like has different tiers. You know? It kind of shows you how kind of silly the idea of a heaven and hell is. Yeah. If there's heaven full of good people and then hell full of bad people it's too black and white yeah is it There's really no fair shades of gray you here. can't really lump the annoying people in with the murderers and killers and everything like that yeah and eleanor argues once again that there should be a medium place mm-hmm. which i like it's a callback to the pilot mm-hmm. and it's reminding us eleanor's been thinking about this since the beginning she didn't just come up with this now she's always thought that it was unfair and Chidi agrees with her this episode. Yeah, yeah. And I don't believe he did in the beginning. No, he didn't really. He just said that there wasn't. Yeah. Um. But now we know that he agrees with her, that he thinks that there should be, and he wishes that there was. Because he doesn't want Eleanor to be tortured for all eternity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just melt your heart. Okay, I got, like, big feelings about them again. Because... When she offers her hand out and she tells him, just know you did everything you could to help me. You were a really good fake soulmate. She takes this moment where she needs to be comforted because she's about to go to the bad place to comfort him. She has grown. (laughs) He is so proud of her. And then when she offers her hand and he just, he just leaps into her arms 
I love the way that Cheedy hugs. I think I just really love the way that he does it. Like, <laughs> William Jackson Harper just does such a great job because he hugs with, like, his whole body, his whole essence. It's like every molecule of him is, like, in that hug. Hmm. Right? There's no holding back. It's just a full force hug. I love people who hug like that. It's great because this is the perfect moment for it. He really thinks that he's never going to see her again. And it's crushing if you're me. <laughs> um... I got real big feelings about them again in this episode. We'll move on from there. Anyway. <laughs> and then, of course, oh, and then, okay, I, start, I, I just got feelings about everybody. Uh, and then Tani and Jason come to say goodbye, too. And Eleanor has this really lovely moment where she says, well, you guys came to say goodbye because you're my friends. And it's like she's finally, like, really realizing that. Mm-hmm. Kristen Bell does a great job of showing us that Eleanor is surprised like Tahani, I don't think Eleanor's had many real friends. Mm-hmm. It just, it breaks my heart a little bit, you know? I feel like they're these misfits that finally found each other. Yeah. And now this is going to be torn apart. Mm-hmm. It makes me really sad. And in the extended episode, we get a goodbye between Jason and Eleanor. They have this really lovely little look between them. They don't say anything. There's no big goodbye, I loved spending time with you, anything. Because she can't say why she feels a connection to Mm -hmm. Jason in front of Tahani, but they just share this look and it's like, I get it. I know. We were both not meant to be here and... Good luck keeping up the facade. Yeah, good luck keeping it up, but I feel like she's she's saying that with her eyes, with full sincerity too, Mm -hmm. like, not good luck, buddy, because you're going to fail hardcore. Yeah. More... Really good luck. I hope you don't have to go through this too. And Jason says a really sweet line as he's saying goodbye. He mm-hmm. says, I hate to see you go, but I love to watch you walk away. Yeah. And Eleanor says, oh, thanks. I really needed to hear that. Which is really <laughs> cute. And as soon as he was saying it, I was like, oh, I know where this is going. Yeah. But the way he said it, it was kind of like it was supposed to be a really meaningful goodbye. Yeah. So it's really deep and it's thoughtful. Very charming. <laughs> we'll get to our last our last beat before our spoiler zone. Okay. Eleanor boards the train and Chidi rushes to Michael's office to confess and plead for Eleanor's afterlife. Michael says there's no award for most improved player, but Chidi insists that there should be. Michael stops the train and takes Eleanor back. Trevor reveals the real Eleanor, who has been in the bad place all along. This was a huge reveal for me. Yeah, because... As a viewer, we didn't know if there was a real Eleanor or not. I think we mentioned this in the first couple of episodes when we were discussing it. Like, did she take somebody's place? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Like, we don't, we didn't know the details. But then as soon as we see the real Eleanor, it means so much. Because suddenly you realize that not only did Eleanor put a good person in the bad place, she also deprive Chidi of his soulmate who has been in the bad mm-hmm. place this whole time being tortured yeah so so we're adding a whole new layer of guilt there yeah because now if eleanor leaves and goes to the bad place then Chidi can finally be happy with his soulmate yeah <laughs> and you're Chidi, like but no, eleanor's but his soulmate i, d- I don't th- i don't but believe in soulmates, but i just think that they're really sweet and they could make a weird but good romantic pairing. Shush. Anyway, I like it. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess I kind of just stopped thinking when I was watching this for the first time. I stopped thinking that there was a, another Eleanor. Mm-hmm. And then I started to wonder maybe they just got the wrong information or maybe the real Eleanor's in another good place. But to find out that she's been in the bad place, presumably being tortured for all of this time while Eleanor has been taking morality lessons just seems real bad. Yeah. Real bad. Mm -hmm. We find out a bit more. We don't really get a chance to understand or to talk about what this all means this episode because we just see her for like 20 seconds Mm -hmm. yeah we'll get to that next episode yeah yeah thankfully we don't leave that dangling we will get to that next that would be a brutal season finale oh god like hey guys there's a real eleanor yeah i'm really glad they didn't do that (laughs) in the extended episode when chidi rushes to try and convince michael to take eleanor off the train he says to him you did bring her here, so in many ways, this is your fault. And very bold. Yeah, very bold for Chidi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that, though, because Michael is not assuming any responsibility at this moment. Like I mentioned earlier, I think that the reason we don't call in, you know, someone higher up is that he doesn't want to face the consequences. Right. And that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Because if he's asking Eleanor to do that, then he should be willing to do it too. Yep. Um, And he also asks Michael to see the shades of gray instead of only seeing the black and white. He wants there to be a most improved player award, right? And it really starts to make me wonder how many... That's not how I want to say that. Um... And Chidi's line of questioning really illuminates how many inconsistencies there are to a moral system that would allow Eleanor to go to the bad place. Mm -hmm. Because if residents continue to learn and grow in their afterlife, then there's a huge flaw in this system. And not only that, but these people in the good place are supposed to be the ones who fought against oppression and injustice in on Earth. But in death, they're suddenly fine with this whole thing. They're fine with the idea that Eleanor is going to go to the bad place because she kind of sucked, but in a chill way. (laughs) Only because they made the list. It's like this exclusive party and they're just fine with everybody else out there getting tortured while they're having a great time. Mm -hmm. They should be fighting for equality. Yeah. If they accept that fact, then are they really as amazing as they seem? Mm -hmm. Maybe there should be like a big town meeting. Where they discuss the facts and try to come up with a solution. Yeah. Work together. Solve the problem. I would love to see Chidi lead that. If he can, you know, choose what kind of banners to use. uh, (laughs) I think Dahani would pick the banners. That's true. She would plan the event. Mm -hmm. Let's, Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, that's a very good point. Right at the end, I got, I got some big feelings about Eleanor and Chidi again. Oh boy. Um. When Eleanor gets off the train, she mouths thank you to Chidi like she knows that it was him. Michael's the one who comes and gets her on the train, but she seems to have no doubts that the reason he did that was all Chidi. Chidi convinced him. I love that. Mm -hmm. She has this, like, enormous faith in him, and she just believes that he's such a good person that there's no doubt in her mind. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then Chidi looks at her with this expression that just says to me, like, I've got your back. And then they hold hands, which is so sweet. And it's not like, it's not even highlighted. Like, there's no zoom in on their hands. They're just holding hands and Mm -hmm. they keep glancing back at each other and just the looks that they're giving each other, like, I'm so glad I haven't left you and I'm so glad you're not leaving me. And I'm just, I'm crushed. The whole (laughs) thing is just, I'm a feelings. All over again. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think it's very sweet. I'm like shipping them way more this time than I did the first time around, which is weird for me. But I think I'm just picking up on all these little moments that were maybe overshadowed by the big reveals mm-hmm. the first time around. Yeah. So when Eleanor, jumping back to Eleanor being on the train and Trevor talking to her about what we're going to be going through before we get to the bad place. Like, hey, we're going to make a thousand unnecessary stops Mm -hmm. and it's going to get hotter every time you think it's going to get hotter. And he just keeps seeing, he just seems to be emphasizing the fact that it's not the bad place. It's the super crummy, inconvenient place. Like everything sucks. It's It's not frustrating. your train is going to be filled with Everyone you ever disappointed in your life. Or you're going to drive through a tunnel of flames. Or Mm -hmm. you're going to feel like you're suffocating because the air is going to get sucked out of the compartment. Or, you know, the train's going to go underwater and you're going to feel like you're drowning for like 20 minutes. Or Yeah. It's just, hey, this is a bunch of inconveniences. Exactly. It's the annoying place. It's the annoying place. Yeah, it's the annoying place with a bunch of douchebags. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And The Bachelor. And I just keep wondering, like, for someone who's as douchey as these people, wouldn't they just be happy to go to that place for their afterlife? Yeah. If they're not getting tortured all the time, they're just spending time with... Other douches. Awful people like Trevor and his crew. Wouldn't they just be happy that they get to go to this chill afterlife where they're watching The Bachelor and they get to use selfie sticks and Bluetooth headsets? (laughs) I know. I yeah I don't, I, I don't quite maybe they're just his posse and they have special privileges maybe yeah it's possible yeah yeah maybe everybody else gets a selfie stick but it never works right mm. bluetooth headset that cuts in and out all the time right can you hear me <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe and we end our episode with michael saying we agreed that this is a mistake You know, not that she belongs here, but this is a mistake and this is uncharted territory. So we still are going to be dealing with this whole thing next episode. Like, we're not done. No. Michael hasn't said, yes, she belongs here. Although he's kind of leaning in that direction. We're we're assuming there's going to be some sort of judgment. Yeah. Like, maybe from a higher up. Yeah. So. So we'll see what happens next week. Uh, Do you have any final thoughts before we get to our spoiler zone? I really like this episode. It's very fast paced. While watching it again the second time, I was able to focus more on what's going on and how everything interconnects. Mm -hmm. And it just kept hitting me how quick, how fast paced this episode was. And nothing seemed to drag on. And it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Everything was really like the episode itself was really well structured. And I liked that even though we gave Janet some kind of repetitive jokes with the with the cactus no one felt out of place mm-hmm. everyone earned their spot in this episode and then of course 
I love that we're just getting more information about this universe. Yeah, even good though, world building. Great world building this yeah, episode. Even though I don't agree with this idea of the bad place and, you know, the black and white system, mm-hmm. I still love that we're learning more about it because I really never thought that we would. Yeah. I thought it was going to remain a mystery, at least for the first season. So to be able to see it in episode eight is pretty exciting. All right. So that's all we've got for you this week. If you haven't watched the show in its entirety, then we're going to say goodbye to you now. And if you have watched the show in its entirety, feel free to stay with us after the music where we delve into the spoiler zone. Yeah. And we have our cool spoiler zone song. But we can't tell you what it is because that would be a spoiler. Yeah, totally. So this has been Forking Bullshit, a multiverse radio production. If you like our show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes. This is the best way for others to find the show. But you can also share us on social media, tell your friends about us, tell your family about us, shout into a jar, close it, put it in the ocean, hope that someone hears it. I like that. Yep. (laughs) You can also find all our episodes on YouTube. Yes, we've just recently put all of our episodes on YouTube, all the ones for Burger of the Week as well. So if you want to find us there, we are Multiverse Radio. You might need to look up Forking Bullshirt itself, but you will find all the episodes there. If you have any thoughts you want to share, you can find us on Twitter at Multiverse Radio and use the hashtag FBullshirt. Or you can find us on Facebook at Multiverse Radio Podcast. And as always, you can visit us on our website, multiverseradio.ca. Yeah, that's CA because we are We're Canadian. Canadian. That's that's it. We're Canadian. That's yep. just the whole joke. Just We're not it. saying the rest of it. Nope. <laughs> we'll see you next week for our review of episode nine, Someone Like Me as a Member. Spoiler zone, spoiler zone, spoiling everything, spoiling movies, spoiling food. Denzel was blind the whole time. (laughs) I'm going to put this into the spoiler zone later, but I'm wondering if the only people that actually feel physical pain in this world are those four. Exactly. And if the only reason Gunnar and Antonio didn't feel any pain is because they are just actors. Exactly. No, you're totally right. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Honestly, didn't think about that at all until you were talking. And then I was like, oh, my God. I think it's a big clue. Yeah. I think it's a big clue. Like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. He's bleeding. Yeah. Wait a minute. He's in pain. Yeah. He shouldn't be in pain. Who else can be? In- oh, Chidi's in pain, too. Yeah. Wait a minute. Those are the only two we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can't remember any instances later on of Eleanor to Honey being in any physical pain. But, well, Eleanor uh, doesn't get a hangover. Clue. Well, there's no hangovers. She and ends up getting a hangover later. When they switch off the hangover filter, yeah. Filter, yeah. yeah but, I think that's the next episode. But anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So, yeah. This episode, I really started to wonder... Is Trevor aware of this? Like, is he in on the whole con or was he fooled? Because he brings I think he up, was in on the whole time. I feel like he was in on it too. Okay. Um, But we actually don't get any confirmation about that. Right. We don't know if he was. I think the whole, his whole back and forth with Michael in front of everybody mm-hmm. was 
just to put everybody on edge. Okay. Like, this is a threatening situation. We don't know what's going to happen. Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do? Like, this this Trevor guy is going to take Eleanor away. Like, it adds all this panic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I agree with you there. Uh, yeah, I guess I was just wondering, like, he, his back and forth feels so natural. Mm-hmm. That it doesn't, it doesn't seem forced at all. It doesn't feel, like, shoehorned in. Right. So. So I feel like Trevor would just naturally be like this to people. Yeah, exactly. I think Trevor is against Michael's experiment. Okay. And just kind of wants to see him crash and burn because I think Trevor does maybe oh, run a bad place. Okay. So I like he's kind of like, you know what? You're kind of an idiot. So I'm going to make this difficult for you. I'm I mean, it's my job to help you out, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to make it any easier. I I'm like still going to rib you. I'm oh. still going to like mess with you. Yeah, I think that's my favorite interpretation until we get an actual answer. Mm-hmm. Or if we ever get an actual answer, that's what I'm going with. Because mm-hmm. he really does kind of be a jerk to him in the next couple episodes. Oh, yeah. He's totally awful. And it seems legit. Oh, it, exactly. Yeah. Adam Scott does a great job. He, but I don't know because so, so we, we see Michael switch. Like in the last episode, when we find out that he has been manipulating this whole thing, like mm-hmm. he switches so well. His mm. face just completely goes 180 degrees, and he is a really good actor, Michael. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking Ted Danson here, but although Ted Danson is great, sure, yeah. yes. Maybe he's just really good at acting annoyed. Yeah. Maybe he is Trevor's boss as well. Oh, I wonder. Yeah, is Trevor just an actor? We never see maybe, him do anything. Maybe they don't come from the bad place yeah. at at Maybe they don't come the Maybe they don't come from the bad place at all. Maybe they are just actors made to look like jerks. Yeah. And this is just Michael's interpretation of what right. the bad place should be like. Right, because yeah. maybe if they brought actual demons or people mm-hmm. from the bad place, it would completely terrify everybody. Yeah. And they wouldn't be able to focus on the situation at hand if yeah. there's like this giant 12-foot story winged creature like eating people. Yeah. I don't know. And we get the idea that the bad place is kind of like the good place in that the sense that there's... More than one kind. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different kinds of bad place. So that helps me kind of reconcile with this idea that there could just be crappy people and then actual serial killers. Yeah, different there. neighborhoods for different groups. Yeah. But in the bad place neighborhoods, all the houses are on fire all the time. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, every, and everyone's like, this is fine. <laughs> and every fire <laughs> extinguisher just blasts out more fire. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Yeah, the unfortunate place. Yeah. A series of unfortunate places. <laughs> and, of course, we know now that the real Eleanor is just an actress. Mm-hmm. She does a real great job of... Well, we don't really see even it Even kind of yet. sad and pathetic yeah. at the end of this episode. Like, you really feel for her right away, which is great. She's putting on, like, such a happy... Well, not happy, but cheerful demeanor for somebody who's been in the bad place like Mm -hmm. she's not like weeping or she's just 
dirtied up. She's not bleeding. She doesn't have scars everywhere. She's just... She looks like a starving child. Mm -hmm. And then we do find out later on that there is a medium place. Eleanor keeps saying that she wants there to be one, that there should be one. It's unfair. We find out there is one. Mm -hmm. Now... Some people have said that they don't know if the medium place is actually real. Right. And... I know we discussed this in episode one or two, I think. Yeah. So I'm still watching out for that. Um, And then a few people were wondering, like, how can people travel between worlds? You know, they have this train, but why would a good place have a train that could travel to the the bad bad place? place? I'm guessing... It's because we're in the bad place. Right. We're already there. We're already there. They don't need so to go they, anywhere. They're just traveling from, like, the town over. Right. You know? To the yeah, next so when you're watching the show, you're thinking, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would they ever want people from the bad place to be able to access the good place? It's because they're all here, guys. I would... The <laughs> example I would have, or the solution for me would be, there'd be a hub. There'd be a central hub mm. where all the trains from all the places go... And then they can go from the hub, they can go to wherever they needed to get to. Right. Okay. But, yeah. And if Janet can is the only one that can drive the train, like we said last episode, mm-hmm. then we're assuming that Janet is also driving this train. Yeah, the bad Janet. The bad Janet, whom mm-hmm. we have not met. Yes, we'll meet her next episode. Mm-hmm. She's also terrible. And she's also and terribly great. <laughs> Terra great. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it almost sounds like a color, actually. Hmm. Uh, a couple other little hints that we get. Uh, when Michael is questioning Jason, it's really obvious that he's trying to confuse the heck out of him. Super obvious. It's great. And when he's talking to, ha- and when he's talking to Tahani, it's clear that he's trying to put all this extra pressure on her to make a decision for him, and she doesn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um. I did think that when, the first time I watched this episode, I did think that maybe Michael and the gang would end up leading a revolt, like arguing against the black and white outlook in the good place and the bad place. And I'm still wondering if season two will give us that. Hmm. I would love that. I think that would be a great idea to have the four of them band together and actually be able to lead other people. See, I don't think they... I don't know how they would do that exactly because they're the only ones who really have a stake in this game. And they're always being watched. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how closely they're being watched, though. We still don't really have a sense of how closely they're being watched. That's true. We just assume that Michael is the all-seeing architect. Mm -hmm. And if he decides to have a more hands-off approach next season, that could end up being a downfall again. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, in this season, it's because he's too involved. Right. So he steps back. But then maybe he gives them too much freedom, and they end up... And then uh, season three, he's got to find the middle ground. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's all about Michael finding the balance in life. Right, yeah. That's what this show's about, guys. You think it's about Eleanor? No. He's just got to read the secret. <laughs> oh my God. Secret, secret. I got a secret. I'm gonna need to watch that. That's the title of this episode. You realize that, uh, that, right? Secret, secret. I got a secret. Um, Yeah, yeah, I really need to listen to that. The last thing I want to bring up is a message we got from our listener, Alan, 
who runs a podcast called Shadows and Shamblers for the American Gods TV show, by the way, in case you're interested. If you just Google Shadow and Shamblers, I believe you'll find their website. So, Alan says, You guys say that Michael putting pressure on Chidi hurts Eleanor, but is this adaptation or part of the plan? I feel like Michael never expected Eleanor to make real friends. Do you think that Michael can conceive of changeable people, or is everything a binary good or bad forever to him? Yeah, how much does Michael actually understand people and humanity? He's not human. He's enchanted by humanity. Or he acts like he is anyway, right? right? But he says to... He says to himself, even in this episode, I'm not a man and I've lived no life. He hasn't experienced real human life. And he doesn't have experience of having, like, friends and close relationships. And he he so, underestimates people. That's he really the, does. That's his downfall of this whole season that we learn. He underestimated Eleanor. And I think he fails to see people's people's um i think he fails to see humanities or people's desire to grow and change yeah and that's where his downfall is yeah and their ability to do that when they're put under pressure right i feel like he adapts very well when things kind of don't go as he's expecting um not quick enough but I don't think he adapts quick enough. No, okay, yeah. Because as soon as... Excuse me. As soon as Eleanor admits to Mike... As soon as Eleanor admits to Chidi that she doesn't belong here, that's mm-hmm. the first episode. Like, Michael should have been, like, on his toes at that point and not expecting it to happen so quickly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So as soon as she admits that... She doesn't belong here in episode seven. That's when he should have reeled everything in. He shouldn't have let it continue. You think he should have just called the whole thing off and wiped their memories and, and started, started over? over immediately? That because, would have been smart. But he underestimates people and he also feels like he is more intelligent and stronger than everyone. So he's, he's got everything under control. Yeah. When his scientific experiment is already off the rails. Good point, yeah. So he's losing control right from day one. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't realize it because he thinks he's smarter than everyone. Yeah, you're right. You're right. His uh, hubris is getting in the way. Yes, his hubris. And the last the last part, uh, he said, do you think Michael can conceive of changeable people or is everything a binary good or bad forever to him? And I think that we see that he's pretty much... That kind of guy, like a very black and white person. He mm-hmm. pretends that he wants to see the shades of gray, but he's already made up his mind. He has mm-hmm. no intention of trying to fix things. He's here to torture them. Yeah, he doesn't realize that putting four people together may end up torturing each other, but they'll also create a bond. Yeah, because they're all in the same situation, on yeah. the, in the same crappy place. And whether these four people realize it or not, subconsciously, they'll all find a connection with each other and become closer. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that Michael 
decided to have Eleanor and Jason be two people that felt like they didn't belong, but then have Chi and Tahani believe they actually did belong there. Mm -hmm. I wonder how the show would be like if Chidi thought that he didn't belong there or Tahani thought that she didn't belong there. And Jason and Eleanor thought they did? Or all four of no, them thought they did? all four of them, yeah. Because I don't think that we could reasonably have a good place where Jason and Eleanor think they belong. Right. But the other two don't. Yeah. So I kind of, I'm glad that we didn't have that because then that would have been just excessive and we needed to have a balance. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see what they do next season because we only know that Eleanor... It's in pretty much the same situation. We have no idea what's going on with Chidi, Jason, Tahani next season. Mm-hmm. It's all a surprise. Yeah. And I've been hearing rumors that we're supposed to get a lot more time with Michael next season. So I want to see what they do there. I think there's some good stuff. Um, some behind the scenes Michael stuff. Yeah. I'm excited to see that. And I think that if Michael was the type of person that could conceive of changeable people and really believe that people could get better, he wouldn't be doing the job he's doing right now. No. No. He wouldn't be trying this experiment in the first place. I don't think so. Yep. All right. Any last thoughts before we sign off? No, I like it. I like this good spot. Okay. All right. So thank you so much for following along with us into the spoiler zone. Hmm. We're almost there. We're more than halfway through now. Yeah. We have four episodes left. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 5. We have five episodes left. I'm bad at math, guys. It's a good thing this isn't a math podcast. It's a good thing we couldn't see that video because we were counting on our fingers. We totally were. Yeah, okay. Alrighty. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. See you guys next week. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.